1: Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Seek Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got ourselves a mailbag pod talking about a 4-1 New York Giants team. It feels really good. There's a, a lot to hit on. we got some little different type of questions this week than we did last week. Uh, some more miscellaneous stuff. Justin, how are you feeling?
0: Hey, Bobby Skinner. Great to be chatting with you. The mailbag pods are some of my favorite shows that we do because we get a chance to look at the film, look at the stats, and then we... Come together and we talk about it. I like how there's, especially the first two questions are a little bit more big picture questions. Stuff that we usually don't talk about in season. But we're going to talk about it. I did a little bit of a kind of just like a reflecting moment before we recorded the show. And I wanted to look back on after week five last year. What were we talking about on our mailback pod? Well, to give you a little bit of perspective on how far we've come in just around 365 days. It was the Rams game. (laughs) It was the Rams game where we got absolutely blown out. And what we talked about on the Giants mailbag, mailbag plus Rams cleanup was the futures of Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. We talked about if John Mara and Chris Mara and if the Maras can turn around the organization. And we talked about the impact of losing Andrew Thomas to the IR for at least the next three games. So give you a little bit of perspective on how far we've come in just a year. It's good to be a Giants fan.
1: It feels really good. It feels good to be the worst four in one team in NFL history, and I, I'm going to keep saying that line until until it gets old. Which is n- it's never going to get old for us. Um, yeah. So we got a lot of things to get into in this podcast. First, this episode was brought to you by some special people. Matthew Bernardo. We got Keith the Giant. He's just uh Keith the Giant. He's a lot. You know, I like him a lot more than a different Keith. Tom Cucciar- uh, Cucciara. Uh, la cucaracha. Drew Thornton reminds me of the Florida State guard. Was it Al Thornton? I can't remember. Michael Donaldson. Jo- Your brother Josh. How about you run? You don't. You know, hit the ball off the wall and yeah, then get out, on. dummy. Doug with the complicated username. I thought Doug complicated username was our friend of Giants futures, but I guess it's not.
0: No. For no. some
1: reason, I thought they were that was like the same person with three accounts, but it's no, not. it's Liam. Yeah, I thought Doug was Liam for some. No. I don't know why. I just thought Doug was Liam. Doug
0: with a complicated username. I've said this before, but uh, it's it, honestly like right now, it's Research Rick and him are like two of my favorite follows right now. And Research Rick has been for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I just
1: follow Doug, and sometimes I'm like, man, you tweeted that before I did. And I, I want to Tweet something like that. I get,
0: I've been getting so pissed. He, at
1: him. Good, good follow, James Banbury, not Bradbury. Banbury Brian, uh, funny man. He's a funny man. Jersey Will, he's from uh, North Dakota. Think it's our Will? Jo- no. Joe Jelly love us. Uh, I just had some lemons. And Michael Plotkin, he's plotting on his Giants victory. Justin, who are these people?
0: Um, I heard a I heard a Thornton in there, so it's also Taquan Thornton, who's that cornerback. Is he on the Patriots? Where is he? Yes,
1: he's yes. a wide receiver, and he's yes, he's on the Patriots.
0: He's on the Patriots... Hey, maybe could trade uh, a wide receiver from the Patriots. We're going to talk about about that in a little bit. Who's that Keith you don't like? He works for the fan. Oh, right. Um, Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Uh, that's where all these wonderful people went uh, to become part of the TG Talking Giants Patreon family. You get to hang out with us while we record the shows live. Bobby Skinner sends you some stickers, magnets in the mail, and then twice a month you get a chance to win some shirts off the store. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks for our patrons. Love ya.
1: Take it away, Steve.
0: Mail time. Mail time.
1: The mail's here. Come on. Bye guys. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail.
0: Just as I mentioned as possibly acquiring somebody from another team, Papa Bayer asked, at Papa underscore Bayer, at one point, if any, does Joe Shane commit to this season and make some sort of splash trade at wide receiver or defensive back to help the team? I'm going to leave it at that.
1: With what's out there, to me, Justin, it would be an absolutely not. Uh, unless you're trading like a day three pick for a guy that they, they like more than the team that, you know, the team that's trade, wanting to trade that guy. But when this is brought up, it's because Matt Rule is fired by the Panthers and the Panthers are going to be looking to sell some pieces off because they don't have a lot of draft picks and, you know, they, they're going to restart. I kind of hate David Tepper, by the way, listening to his press conferences, like, you suck. Um, so, DJ Moore is the name that I think a lot of people... We got a lot of questions about that, so I just put it in this. To me, absolutely not. This team still has major cap issues, major cap issues. And they th- they want to gain draft assets, not give them away. Um, You know, it's like this team is not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Like, we should be happy with what they are, but you can't get off the course. And I don't think the Giants will. You know, and you look at even that Bills team, that first year at Brandon Bean... They went. They snuck into the playoffs, but they sold off a lot of parts that year, and they stayed true. And you know, Tyrod Taylor took them to the playoffs, but they were still like, nah, we're you know, we're we're looking to trade up from our picks." I think they had picks twenty one and twenty two. You know, so to me, it's a it's an absolutely not, but I do think it's an interesting question because winning, like when you start winning, you want to do more winning.
0: I agree with you, especially as we're entering into what we think is an accelerated rebuild, but this team is still rebuilding because you have to look at the roster deficiencies that they have. But Bobby, the trade deadline is November 1st. We have three games before November 1st. We have the Ravens this weekend, the Jaguars and the Seahawks. If you win two out of those three games, and then what's our record? Help me do the math. Six and two. Yes. If we're six and two heading into our bye and the trade deadline is tomorrow, so we we play the Seahawks in Seattle October thirtieth. So then there's the thirty first, and then there's the first. So then you'll have those that two day grace period. If we are six and two, you're at least not thinking about it. And I'm Don't, not even um, talk, I'm not talking about DJ Moore. Like here here's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking like a Nelson Aguilar type player for the Patriots. I mean, even if he's got even a big contract, he has a big contract. Tough. Um. Brandon like said, Cooks, a day, Brandon, a Brandon f- Cooks from the Texans.
1: He's got a contract. I'm not going to. I'm contract. not going to screw up cap space, and especially for like Brandon Cooks is a good player, but I'm not trading with the way the Giants' situation is. You know, like really, the only way I would do it is if the the regime fully believed Daniel Jones was the franchise quarterback, which after these first five games and declining his option you know we'll talk about daniel jones a little more i don't think they're going to be fully convinced like maybe they're very happy with the last three games but i don't think they're going to be fully convinced that would be the only way and then that's when you like you said make a splash move but the only way you could do something like that is trading a day three pick for honestly i'd like a darius slayton type You know, someone who's, you know, got maybe two years left on a rookie deal. I know Slayton only has one. Two years left on a rookie deal, very cheap. You know, a guy who hit in the fifth round pick, but maybe that team has a little depth at that spot or they're looking to gain as many much draft capital as possible. So I think there's a much better chance the Giants are trading away a player than they are trading for somebody. Like, I I really think that they are going to stay patient and stay the course. They're not going to... And again, like, yeah, listen, I want... I was fantasizing about a playoff game the other day and thinking about, like, how much fun that would be The do talking Giants versus, like, I, I, it means more than anything. When we were 6-10, and 10, um like, me and you were living and dying watching that Eagles-Washington uh, game week 17 when Doug Peterson, uh, you know, tanked. So, it's not like I'm just like, oh, it's not about you don't win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. But I, I'm not changing the course.
0: Yeah, you I'm with you. You know I'm with you. Uh, I'm definitely more of a fan of adding draft assets rather than taking away. Um, but if you win two out of your next three, you know, against... These are not necessarily bad football teams that we're playing. The Ravens, Jaguars, and Seahawks. The Ravens obviously being the best of the three. Um, those three teams, I think the Jaguars, a little bit better than Seahawks. Seahawks' defense is just really bad. But if you win two out of those next three, um, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I would start to think about Something, But what can this team do when they have no cap space and you really don't want to sacrifice any kind of pick? But that's why, like I said, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar type player, obviously without the contract, it's tough to find. Tough to find, so... Yeah. No DB. I'm not like Jerome Henderson. They, they can run out there with Fabian Moreau, Nick McLeod, Justin Lane against Aaron Rodgers and kind of be fine. I know the Green Bay Packers don't have great wide receivers, but I trust Jerome Henderson and Wink Martindale in the secondary kind of whoever's out there that they'll be all right. So no DB. The only the only addition that I would be kind of open to is wide receiver. One that doesn't sacrifice future assets. Tough to find. All right.
1: All right next the next question?
0: question. All right. Zach, at underscore ZTFB, I really want to hear where you guys stand on Daniel Jones. I think you have made it clear enough in the past, but has the recent success plus probable mid to late 2023 draft pick in the first round changed your mind in a contract year?
1: So we're at a third way of the season, so I I think it's a good time to... Talk about this because there's a good sample size, you know, of, of the season so far. And obviously, it's trending up with Daniel Jones these last three games. Uh, here's where, what did we say on our player profile projection? Because we're like, kind of like racking our brains of like, what can he do to, you know, be get like a one year deal? And one of the things we did say, Justin, was like, win games. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. Like, win games and, you know, kind of one, the draft position goes up. Uh, and, you know, if if we're winning games, Daniel Jones is probably going to look pretty good, and he has looked good the last three games, even though the stat, the passing stats haven't really been there. You know, we're, we are still the 31st-ranked passing offense. So, obviously, like, you're not making a decision right now. But if he plays at this level, and you aren't in a draft position, or you don't like one of these QBs, or you don't have the capital to trade up that you want, I'd be totally fine with, like, a one-year deal. Like, I'd much rather that than Tyrod Taylor. But I... I, I For him to get like a franchise tag though, it would have to be a lot better than what we're seeing right now. Like the stats kind of do matter for to get a franchise tag, but like a cheap, like, hey, would you rather stay with us for one year or go test free agency? That type of deal. I would be, I would be willing to. Um, and then we could talk about his just play overall through this season, but to get to be here next year, I think that path is one, you win games, continue to win games, and stay healthy, and and kind of play at what you're playing at now. To yeah. Just get like a cheapy cheapo one-year deal.
0: Yeah, for Daniel Jones, like for me to say that Daniel Jones is getting to the path of being the answer at quarterback, got to get a little bit better with conventional passing when it's not relying on play action or play action rollouts. I mean, the, the splits and the discrepancy of the yards per attempt in play action versus non-play action, this is always just a big split anyway in the NFL, but – I need it, I need the non-conventional passing, the regular dropback passing to be a little bit better. And we saw that start to happen uh, against against Green Bay, but play action and the staff setting him up for success, um, it's really, really helped. And I don't want to necessarily poo-poo on Daniel Jones, but when we're talking about making a big decision like a $30 million franchise tag or a multi-year extension, you have to get tough on Daniel Jones. Right now, Bobby, we're four and one. I did not In any world, expect that the Giants would get off to this hot of a start and that we would be here. I also didn't expect that we would be 4-1 and... and Daniel and the Giants aren't throwing the ball like tremendously well. I think they're throwing the ball better than maybe people give them credit for, at least on an EPA basis. But their running offense and Saquon Barkley like is the majority of their offense right now. Like, I, I expected it to be the opposite. I expected if the Giants are going to be four and one, it's going to be Brian Dable, Mike Kafka really airing it out, and Kadarius Toney's out here. Kenny Galladay's having a somewhat of a comeback year. Wandale and Shepper operating well, but none of those guys have literally seen the field at all this year. Literally are top four wide receivers. So, um, I'm enjoying it right now. I'm enjoying being 4-1. and one. I'm enjoying that Daniel Jones is playing well, and the fact that we are, what, just a little bit more than a quarter into the season? So much can happen. The second that Daniel Jones maybe misses a game, like, what were, what were we thinking when He went down with that ankle injury and he misses one game. How much of this Daniel Jones contract extension is different if he misses one game from that ankle injury? He didn't, but when it comes to Week 10, Week 11, Week 12, the the times in which he usually gets hurt and starts to miss games, the conversation may change and it may sway, depending on if he can play, 17 games. He's doing it so far, but right now I'm enjoying the ride. So much shit is going to happen down the road, and I'm going to kind of wait for it then.
1: Yeah, obviously with Daniel Jones, like, it's, it's a cop-out answer, but it's like, he, we gotta see the rest of the season. But the thing with Daniel Jones is always being consistent. Like, the first two games, I don't care what anybody says, he was bad. He missed throws, there was throws that are there that he didn't pull the trigger at, and he looked uncomfortable. Now, we talked about it, like, hey, if you win, you win and you don't play well, and then you start to play well, those games will be forgotten a little bit. Uh, a little bit i guess in the fan base size and the coaching staff and and gm not as much but these last three games he has played well you know the stats haven't been great but uh you know with considering the o line issues the wide receiver issues and how much he's added on the ground game like the chicago game he added so much on the ground like he's it's been trending up but we need to stay consistent you know after four weeks last week last year we were way higher on daniel jones you know you had the washington game you had um you know the the Saints game you know and then he was like doing the- it on
0: his own i mean that's really yeah. what what it was bobby he was doing it on his own where i think these last couple of weeks starting with the Dallas game and then heading into now and i don't this isn't a knock on daniel jones because we're winning games and he's been a huge part of it especially against green bay but i can't deny that running the play action these play action rollouts It's helping the quarterback. It's part of the game. Play action is a legal form of cheating in the NFL, but it's helping the quarterback versus the first two weeks. I think they wanted to run a little bit more of a conventional offense, and Daniel Jones was struggling with that a little bit.
1: Well, here's what I'll say to that, though, is we still have bad offensive line play. We still have bad wide receivers. And because he was put in the worst offensive play calling system in the NFL of the last two years, I'm not going to apologize for him being in a functioning scheme now you know like this is what right. QB should have um you know like this is a functioning scheme with the talent they have you know this isn't like right this isn't like we have you know the Dallas Cowboys you know Ross like uh, an awesome roster awesome play calling kind of like you know Jared Goff with the Rams kind uh, no, of type No but am but I'm
0: with you though but when it comes to the difference between giving him a 30 million dollar deal versus seeing seeing if you can work out a one-year deal or a two-year you know you have to get kind of nitpicky though you have to
1: oh i agree like the only way he could get a franchise tag for me would to be like be amazing the rest of the year not like he's been good it to be amazing if he plays good the rest of the year that's when you talk about like a one-year deal but there's there's nothing that he could do to give me to say give him a multi-year deal though there's nothing you got to put back. You got to put together good back to back years for me to be in that conversation. And also, he's in year four, so there's nothing that he could do for me to earn a multi year deal. Um, you know, the highest he could get would be the franchise tech, where if he just started playing like almost at an MVP level the rest of the year, which I don't see, think see happening with no. this.
0: And you got to play 17 games too, right? Are you with me on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. But again, the main thing though for him to save. Win games, play yourself out of a you know a draft spot where you know they're they're looking at a QB they like. So
0: yeah.
1: and I, I'm not I don't look I'm not looking at the QB class or anything. Like I'll do all that stuff when the season's over. But so I, I, the last three games he's played well. Um, you know the first two games were bad, so I'm I'm happy with what how he's played the last three games, trending up in a new scheme.
0: There you
1: go. Keep it consistent. Next question.
0: There you go. Next question. Can I talk about something first? Sure. This episode is sponsored by AG1 Athletic Greens. That's right, they're back. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health. I wanted a positive way, a productive way to start out my day, to boost my immune system. I don't like taking all these vitamins and all these pills and you got to do this. You got to take this and this many times and I don't care. I don't like it. Athletic Greens is simple because it is just one scoop in a cup, a glass of water, every single day. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system... With convenient daily nutrition, it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com giants to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You'll be glad you did
1: be glad you did next question
0: next question is coming from nyg fan in charlotte at clt underscore ny research rick who's more likely to be hired as a head coach in 2023 mike kafka or wink martindale and then there's a part two of the question as well um to me
1: i would say wink martindale one because he has a track record of being a coordinator and being a great coordinator for the ravens you know coaching up number one defenses um I also think Wink and his defensive staff are coaching up players to be better, not just running scheme stuff. Like, a lot of times, they're just running cover three, cover one. You know, like, it's not the most insane. They're not running, like, these insane stuff all games. They're doing it on the important downs, and that's where, like, the, you know, the cover zero look stuff, but... I think a lot they're just coaching up players to be better, and I think that's a huge part of being a head coach and finding guys staff wise. Where I think Kafka has been done a good job scheming up stuff, Um, but what players do we think that are like, man, this coaching staff is getting the most out of this player? Like it's nobody on the offensive line, that's for sure. Um, You know the tight ends, you know they're they're getting stuff out of them. The receivers have been Richie James. Maybe well, even Richard James has, hasn't like he's teams have figured out to just kind of bump him up. Um, you know, obviously the quarterback, but the, the quarterback's mostly on scheme
0: stuff. I think they so are getting me, the most out of David Sills. And I'm I sorry. Guess, yeah, I guess, I guess that's more um, of a reflection on David Sills.
1: <laughs> so I I would say wink. And I think wink commands a room better. And that does matter. You know, where Kafka maybe a little nerdy, um, so I would say Wink, but I don't think either one of them would get hired. One, because defense coordinators, just just so hard for them to get a job. And then also Kafka has the it's Brian Dables team thing part on him too.
0: It's also his, it's only his first year as a play caller yeah, too. that's the and big he's, thing. He's super young. So de- definitely not Mike Kafka now. I'm surprised you're, I'm worried about Wink leaving. I mean, it depends how this year goes, but the fact that, you had a on a national stage, Wink Martindale schooling Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers giving props and their post game pressures to Wink Martindale. I mean, that's that stuff gets noticed, and especially when it's on like a national scale, national, a nationally televised game like last Sunday. And Wink Martindale has gotten interviews for head coaching jobs before. You know, he, 2020, the, he
1: was my number one choice to be head coach for the Giants.
0: Yeah, he interviewed for the Giants job, he was your number one choice. And I even think even in previous years or even future years after that. I don't think he did not get a head coaching job after he got fired from Baltimore. But um yeah, he's gotten him in the past. So that's actually a worry of mine this offseason, just because of how how much in the national conversation the Giants are now that, that we may that we may actually lose Wink Martineau.
1: But as defensive coordinators, it's so hard to get a head coach I think job. Somebody and, will do and, it, and and Wink is also like the you know kinda growly old man. Where, you know, I think defensive coordinators that just the owners and GMs kind of fall from our like the you know, the kid genius types, you know, the Brandon Staley types, even though Brandon Staley hasn't been a good head coach. Um so I, I would say but I would say wink. I, I, I think there's no shot Kafka would get a head coaching job this no, offseason. Not yet. But if if I but if I was making a bet of who gets a head coaching job first in their career, like I think that gets a little more interesting. Also the Giants offense is still like middle of the pack. Like we're not like a top
0: five to ten offense no. either. No, and at least uh, I like looking at DVOA and EPA and stuff like that. The Giants' defense is not not good in in those categories either. But they're stop they're doing a good job stopping teams on third downs, and that's the money. Down. I feel like because of how bad the Giants are on early downs, it's really influencing like DVOA and EPA. But how good they are on third down, that's what matters the most. So. Um, And then there's part two to this question. I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. So who's more likely to be hired as a defensive coordinator first? Drew Wilkins, who's the outside linebackers coach, or Jerome Henderson?
1: If another team's coming knocking, I would say Jerome Henderson. You know, I I really like Jerome Henderson. I think he, like, you watch his interviews and, like, you know, you don't want to judge a guy just on interviews, but it's like, okay, this guy gets it. And now he's been in two different schemes with the Giants, a man scheme and a zone scheme, and he's gotten the best out of his corners. You know, and at times where like there has been some bad corners in this group, and Isaac Yadam, Ryan, you know, uh, you know, now we're we're playing we're just playing bad <laughs> you know, playing bad corners at times and getting the most out of them. And he coaches the safeties as well, you know. Some teams have like a safety coach and a corner coach, he's gotten the most out of them. But if Wink Martindale were to leave, I would say Drew Wilkins because Drew Wilkins is like Wink Martindale's right hand man. Like he he's in like he's he he's been molded in the image of Wink Martindale.
0: I feel like it should be Jerome Henderson, but I think it's going to be Drew Wilkins because he's Wink Martindale's right hand man. Where I really think this is such like a relationship business, and you know, this is I feel like just this this is just a professional world anyway. It's not what you know; it's who you know. So the fact that Drew Wilkins is so close to Wink and Wink can vouch for him, and you know, hey, there's Wink Martindale's gonna get a call from whatever team's looking for for a DC, whatever head coach is looking for a staff. Hey, do you you know who who who's your guy? Who's a guy that would be good for this job? And I think Wink would say Drew Wilkins, even though I think Jerome Henderson may deserve it more. I think he definitely deserves it more.
1: Yeah, I would take Jerome Henderson over Drew, and I I also am not as. We've had three years of Jerome Henderson. I've gotten to know him from the outside looking in. Um, and he was one of the few coaches that was retained by the new staff. So, you know, could set a, a good impression. You know, he's had success in other, other stops too. Um, I also, like, I don't have, like, a great like idea of Drew Wilkins totally yet besides that Wink Martindale just loves the guy.
0: I don't think this season is what it is right now without Jerome Henderson. Like, the worries that we had about Wink Martindale – They are maybe coming true without Jerome Henderson.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that could be true. Maybe
0: I don't know. I mean, that that's my theory. Just on, you know, we saw Patrick Graham and his staff with Jerome Henderson being included. They were able to adjust with whatever was thrown their way, personnel wise, especially in the secondary. And now Wink Martindale is doing the same thing. What's the one constant, Jerome Henderson? And also, sorry, no, no.
1: Someone to like, you know, like someone I was talking with. Sanji, our Raiders guy about Pat Graham, and he's like, he's like, I like what he's doing. It's just guys are getting beat in one-on-one situations, and it's like, maybe you know, maybe that could hold some credence to that. Um, there you so. go. All right, next question,
0: Jesse Samino. Which currently injured player is going to make the biggest impact when they return, and how?
1: This is a fun question. Am I allowed to say Kadarius Tony?
0: You're allowed to, but he doesn't exist in my brain.
1: I feel like the answer is Kadarius Tony. Like he can change the offense if he's out there playing, but unlike the other guys who were injured, it's like okay, when Kadarius Tony comes back, he'll probably be gone a week later after. Yeah, that.
0: he'll change. He'll change the Seahawk game for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then he'll be done. You know, the next and then game. he'll so have that's... a bye
0: week, and then he'll have a bye week to continue to rest, and then he'll miss the next game.
1: Well so if we can play imaginary rules like all the guys who are injured who can come back this year so not including a guy like Shep uh are just healthy for the rest of the year my answer would be Kadarius Tony like this offense needs somebody like that someone who could just separate in so many different ways and be and use in some of the you know the crossers and stuff so my answer would be Kadarius Tony even though I feel like it's not even a real answer with this
0: No and I think the real the real correct answer is Leonard Williams. So I almost even want to say besides Leonard Williams.
1: No, so, say Leonard Williams. I mean, what? what
0: well, no, well, so, no. I, I want to go because I think Leonard Williams is the obvious one here. Because you're just presuming that Kadarius you, Tony's going to no, be back. No, it's
1: not as obvious. You can make an argument that Aziz is their best edge rusher, and having yeah. that presence would help. Like I, I, like I had to think about it. Because but Leonard Williams would be the answer. But the thing is with Leonard Williams, he makes you so much better in the run game. Like, it's not all on Dexter Lawrence. Like, like the defensive tackle group has basically been, like, everything has been put on Dexter Lawrence, and he's done it. Like so, like Nick Williams has also played really well, too. Nick he's Williams had, had some help. flash plays, but down in, down out, he's not I'm gonna, reliable. I'm going to talk
0: to you about one play. This was early in the game. First or second drive of the game, except in the first quarter. I, I actually did a, a pretty deep dive into the All-22 this week uh, for the defense of All-22 specifically. Aaron Rodgers had a touchdown on the right-hand side to a tight end and then an outside wide receiver. He can either pick one of them, and I think it was going to be a touchdown it was going to be a 20-plus yard play. Nick Williams pushes the pocket back, and it forces Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to the left side, and either it's a check down or it's an incomplete pass, and then the Packers, I think, only get a field goal on that drive. So Nick Williams has made some really nice plays pushing the pocket back and um, and then there was a there was some run stops that he had against the Packers. So at least against the Packers, he had a really really good game.
1: My thing is, it's just he's not consistent enough in the run game for me for my liking. Like that's what I look for in my defensive tackles. But he did have some impact plays
0: for your third interior defensive lineman, though. Yeah,
1: but that's my point for saying Leonard Williams, though.
0: Well, d- like yes, Leonard Leonard Williams is you. such
1: a huge plus in the run game, and you get like. You know, now we have Kayvon who can get some pressure on the outside, and now you have Dex and Leo going up the up the middle. Like I, I think it's Leonard Williams, but I I do think you can make an argument that like Aziz Ojulari is probably your best edge rusher. You get Aziz and Kayvon coming off the edge with Dex in the middle, and you can do some fun stuff with the defense. Um, but I think because Leonard Williams is so good in the run game as well, that my answer is Leonard Williams.
0: So I wanted to approach this question saying besides Leonard Williams because I think that that is the very obvious answer. I think getting Shane Lemieux back at the level that we think he can play, that we saw in camp, that we saw in the 19 steps against the Broncos in 2021, getting Shane Lemieux back at that kind of level, think of how much, forget the passing passing offense. Do you know how much better the run-blocking side of things can get for the Giants? Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux next to each other? Think of how much better it can get.
1: Yeah, I just Shane Lemieux has been so out of sight, out of mind for me since he's like I don't know when he's coming back.
0: So I think it's I think it's Shane Lemieux. Like I'm going to say, besides Leonard Williams, I put Leonard Williams number one, Shane Lemieux number two. If he can get back, I I put him number two
1: over Aziz.
0: (sighs) Yes, offense. All right, all right. Next question. this is this is a fun name. Guy Garicolt at Cassius Connor. Where does Landon Collins fit on this team Four safety? Rotation is pretty set with Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, Dane Belton and Justin Jefferson. Uh, Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith are playing well at linebacker. Is he just depth at both of those spots? So what's the role for Landon Collins? I kind of agree with Guy. I don't know. Is he going to be signed to the active roster?
1: Well, here's where it gets tricky. Is like we were like, oh, maybe they're not as happy with Tony Jefferson right now. Tony Jefferson was just assigned to the active roster.
0: Yeah, so that, I don't see them cutting the
1: Tony Jefferson. Jalen Smith is a much better linebacker than what Landon Collins is, and Tony Jefferson is a much better like dime safety than what Landon Collins is. So I I think he might just be depth. Like I don't see I don't see a path for like. They might play him in spot like situations, you know, give him some reps here and there, but I don't know. That's why I wasn't excited at all about the Landon Collins thing. He really was an issue in Washington, you know, not just not living up to a six-year, eighty-four million dollar contract, but I, I just now if one of those guys gets injured, then you you got yourself an answer. But I I don't, I don't know. Maybe like I hope he proves me wrong, like because at one point he was a, a really good player. But I I don't know where the fit is for Landon Collins on this defense.
0: How many practice squad elevations do you get? I've asked you this seven three. times this season. Three. Three. There's three games into the bye. Stuff is gonna happen before then. So I mean I I think as of now he's he may stay on the practice squad. I don't see I don't see them signing him to the fifty three. Um, there's there's going to be some other decisions that they are that they may have to make. I think you know, as Rodarius Williams comes back from injury, there's going to be some defensive guys that come back from injury. Um, So is there any other roster manipulation that needs to be made? I don't know. But here's where Landon Collins can be effective for you, and this is what I think he's just going to be. He's going to be a guy that's going to force negative plays, and they're going to let him rock and roll on third downs. For, they're going to put him in the box, and he's going to try and force negative plays. Simple answer. Even with his struggles in Washington still is forced tackle for loss. And then even last year, I think he had like three sacks, which I think he had also had like three sacks in 2016, which was his best year as a pro with the Giants. So he is still a guy that can force negative plays. And really this Giants defense needs guys that can force negative plays in the backfield, whether it is tackles for loss in the, in the, in the run game or sacks, they need those guys.
1: Yeah, so I, I, my so my answer would be he plays over Tony Jefferson, but Tony Jefferson getting act added to the fifty three man roster kind of threw a wrench in it for me. Where before that happened, I was like, okay, that's where he'll play. Uh, but we'll I see. just hate like, having
0: him on the fields, like because I I think it's going to be such a easy tell of when Landon Collins is on the field. I hope they're not going to ask him to drop back in the coverage. It'll be an easy tell of this this guy is in the game for the sole purpose of getting in the backfield.
1: Yeah, but but you can have him cover. You can have him be the you know the robber, uh, and and like cover one areas. And also when you're sending pressure, you can ask him to cover a back because you know the ball's going to come out quickly. Um, so, but you can never play him at like like basically what Tony Jefferson has done, which is what I thought the role would be. But we'll see. But maybe maybe they didn't expect Jalen Smith to play as well as he has. But, um. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not very. Sh- I'm not sure. Next question.
0: He could also just stay on the practice squad too, right?
1: I guess, but that'd be weird.
0: That'd be weird. Let's get weird. Giants are weird. Wes Lock at Westy Westicles. West plays a really good game. He knows the game. He knows the questions that uh that are gonna tickle Bobby's fanny, and this is the one that does it. Somebody who watches the O-line report, do you think the Giants will eventually allow Neal to set more vertically? Or will they continue to force their concepts? A lot of talk about the coaching staff not forcing square pegs and round holes. How does this not apply with the O-line?
1: Here's the thing. Is you could put Evan Neal in vertical sets and I still think he'd have some issues. Because his issues aren't just oh the, the aggressive pass sets that Bobby Johnson runs. But I also do get a little frustrated when I hear Bobby – like, when we hired him, he's like, I don't do vertical sets. It's like, well, like, ever, you know? It's like it, like Neil has the athleticism and the body size and the strength to be able to do that, and he did it at Alabama. And, you know, I, I judging position coaches is tough because at the end of the day, it's the players – like, it's up to the players to be good or not. But, like, Lewinsky hasn't been good. Feliciano's been bad. Bredesen had a couple decent games, but was really bad this past week. And then obviously Thomas. Thomas, I don't care who his O line coaches, he's going to be great. Uh, I don't know, man. It's and it's not like it's not like the aggressive stuff is like helping the interior. Like it's like I I, I don't know. I just think Evan Neal belongs doing more vertical sets. Like does it open him up to inside uh, moves like it did Andrew Thomas? Absolutely. But like Andrew Thomas, it's also easier to cheat out of vertical sets where aggressive sets man it just it just feels like he's trying to catch up with everything and he's late to the party and then it's throwing his hands out of whack and it's just i i don't i don't know he's he's and here's at the end of the day he has rookie like it's up to evan neal like he has rookie struggles that he needs to get through you know um so this isn't like this isn't like a will Evan Neal be good long term or is he a bust or moving the guard? I'm not. This is not that conversation. It's just I feel like he'd be better suited in vertical pass sets. But Bobby Johnson is just so against
0: them. And this was part of the worry with having Bobby Johnson as a line coach and our guys at uh cover one who cover the bills and they do a really good job with it. You know the the one guy who they were kind of wary of and the one guy that they were you know maybe even a little bit more okay with losing compared to Dable compared to Shane it was Bobby Johnson they were like this guy's a little stubborn uh, the Bills O line has underperformed in in past years and we're we're seeing at least in the past game right now with the Giants granted they don't necessarily have the most awesome personnel. Feliciano's not a long-term answer. Ben Bredesen's not a long-term answer. Mark Lewinsky, there's a reason why you signed him to a cheap, you know, basically what is a two-year contract. So the personnel isn't there, but
1: I like what he's done in the run game, though. Like I, I like, and they've run a mix of gap and zone, and that's hard to teach. And they've done a good job with that. So I don't want to like. I think they've taught that really well, but I just I don't. Uh, I understand like the the whole pass pro isn't passive thing, but it's just I feel like. Letting Evan Neal would do verticals. This would help him accumulate to the NFL a little better. And again, he's got the profile to be able to pull that stuff off. You know, we're not. This isn't just some you know Joe Blow.
0: And the, you know, you mentioned the run game, the Giants' yards before contact. You know, uh, rankings on Pro Football Reference, which I use that yards before contact metric as. Hey, this is a little bit more of an evaluation of the offensive line. It's up there in the top ten of the league. It's up there with some of the top rushing offenses in the NFL. It's not just Saquon Barkley that's carrying the offense on his back and carrying the running game. The offensive line is opening up some good holes for him, which is necessary for a running game to operate well. So, can they? So, if you change what Evan Neal does and you and you, and Bobby Johnson stops being so stubborn, they allow him to do with some more vertical sets. Can you just have Evan Neal? Doing his own thing, or do you need to change the rest of the five guys as well?
1: Uh, you could basically... You can kind of have Evan Neal doing his own thing. The difference is you're setting more towards a man instead of, like, we're working together as a team. But again, it's not helping the interior offensive line, really. No. You know, Neal and Glowinski haven't been... Like, it helps you not get stunted, which hasn't been a huge issue for them, but... um, It's... But part of that has been like guys have just been beating them around the corner. Like Evan Neal has looked really bad. I, I I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, they you're doing a podcast and they're they're coaching for a reason. But also, you know, with Colombo, there was very like they went well, <sighs> with Colombo. It was just they went the whole wrong way about trying to fix Thomas, and they were like work trying to do all this stupid stuff with his hands when it's like, dude, just fix his feet like just tell him to cheat inside you know so it's, it's actually very people compare it to Andrew Thomas it's actually very different than what Andrew Thomas dealt with and they're two different players as well where Andrew Thomas is much more athletic than Evan Neal um where Evan, where Thomas could cheat inside and it's like well, you can just wash guys around the corner dude like you have the NFL athleticism to pull that crap off and then he just got better he didn't have to cheat as he went on through his career and got better so um I don't know it's gonna be interesting but I I, I hope we can get some type of ascension for Evan Neal by the end of this year. I don't want I don't want to go into this off being like, well, hopefully we get a nice two year jump. We got we got to get some ascension at some point, yeah. and we haven't gotten it.
0: And especially, I really don't want to go into this off saying Evan Neal is much better suited at guard. Um, no, that, that there I don't, there there's really not much anything he could do
1: for me to say that this off yeah. Like let him work at tackle, you know. And I like I have like my I don't have a panic level. With Evan Neal, like I'm not, I'm really not stressed about Evan Neal. Um, it's just, I want it to get better sooner than later. Like, like anybody would want to. Yeah.
0: Basically. Get out of your stance. I mean, we, we've been saying that since camp. I mean, he, he just doesn't, I mean, you talked about that in the O-line report this week. I mean, when, when you start getting out of your stance and timing the game better, getting used to the speed of the game, Um, when he's more games in it, if he's still struggling with the same stuff, then I'll react a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so uh, like I say I'm not stressing, Neil. It's just, anyways. Let's do the next question. We spent too much time on. It. Actually, hold on. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook. The Giants don't have a swing tackle. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays. Saquon Barkley, two big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win and get $200 and free bets if they do wow check this out in addition to the usual bets everyone can boost their winnings with drafting stepped up same game parlays Shh. you know what here's there's you know what they want to discuss matchups You know what was super annoying last week on Thursday Night Football? We're like, well, look at next week's game. You know, Bears versus Washington. I was like, that's definitely a better game than Colts-Broncos. You know, like, at least those teams are, like, bad in, like, an entertaining way. Where the Colts and Broncos were the most boring types of bad. Uh, Like, I hate Matt Ryan. People who told me, like, oh, you know, Matt Ryan's not washed. Like, I, I despise you for ever telling me Matt Ryan was not washed. And me being like, were my eyes wrong watching this cat? He sucks. Like, people were talking about Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson will end up figuring it out. Matt Ryan stinks. So, bet against Matt Ryan. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day. All season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code John Boy only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did.
0: Bobby, you talked about big plays. Sacro and Barkley had two of them this, uh, this last Sunday. Who was the other player that had a 20-plus yard play for the New York Football Giants?
1: Big play slay.
0: And Jack Salzoni has a question on big play Slay. Darius Slayton had a good game last week. Do you think he plays a high snap percentage even if we have Galladay and Tony come back from injury?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of saying that before Slayton had this. I think we talked about it on the Mailbag Pod last week. We're like, how can you get some more dropback offense? It was like play Slayton. Like speed is respected, you know. So Galladay is kind of like I don't, I don't like I if Galladay's healthy, I want him out there over sills probably but i definitely don't want him over slayton and that's not reacting to this game um so i think it needs to be your number one like your ex-receiver he's had experience doing it tony you can't trust if you were to come back and you could just have tony as as the two um best receiving game output all year you know this 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 past game and he only played like 53 percent of the snaps you know like marcus johnson led that wide receivers and snaps which was pretty interesting and he can beat you in multiple ways. When, if you play him like the Bears played him, he can beat you vertically. And he did that twice. If you're playing like the Packers play him, you can beat you in crossers. So I, I think Darius Slayton's a better than people give him credit for. It's just the drops were such a huge issue. Like people, I, I think NFL fans overreact to drops at times. They weren't react, overreacting to Darius Slayton's last year. Like it was a, a huge, huge issue. Um, but yeah, I think Slayton should be playing the rest of the year as the number one wide receiver, no matter who comes back
0: um Darius Slayton has played 90 snaps he has six first downs on seven catches Kenny Galladay has played 99 snaps he has two catches and one first down um you want to talk about receivers it that also
1: created that pa- that pass interference um last versus the
0: Bears too yeah, you want to talk about receivers that don't exist in my brain? Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay are two receivers that don't exist in my brain. Yep. So Darius Slayton should be playing over Kenny Galladay when he's healthy. Um. Yeah. All right. Next question. <sighs> Who Who's more on the shit list? Kadarius Tony or Darius Slayton, on the in this Giants coaching staff's eyes. Oh, Tony. They're is getting he?
1: frustrated with Tony. Is he? Are you Are you asking me?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm asking you because there was more of an outward... Well, I guess Tony's a former first-round pick and has multiple years left on his deal versus Slayton's on a contract year. Because, um, I mean, there was a just... We're done with they're the getting with really. They're, they're getting can't.
1: frustrated with Tony. This injury stuff is really starting to bother them. Plus, Tony's probably not the easiest guy They the wanted to, to get rid of him. Slayton. Oh yeah, but that was
0: what well, we talked about. It. It's like you don't get rid of Slayton for nothing because, like, we no, yeah, no, I know that. Just, I know. I'm just saying, like, this coaching staff right now is playing guys. I guess Slayton's the only exception. They're playing Darius Slayton in spite of them not wanting to play Darius Slayton. They are. They don't want to play yeah, him.
1: That's true, but I I bet you that t- Tony is more like on their bad side than Slayton. Slayton is just like Slayton's going to show up to work and. And have a good attitude about stuff. And yeah. And he's also not extreme, Like, unbelievably injury-prone either.
0: No, rarely has been injured in his career. Ron played Swanson... played through it
1: when he was in 2020.
0: Yeah. That was my big... That was our big conspiracy. Ron Swanson at Ronnie Swanson 69. Say Nick Gates starts to come back into form. Who on the interior are you replacing? P.S. Sugma. Really rude.
1: Oh, that's Ronnie Swanson for you. He's a rude person. Um... Obviously, for me it's obviously center One we've seen Nick, Nick Gitch just be a good center in the NFL And John Feliciano One isn't good He's been consistently bad And he's the only stop Like true stopgap Like Lewinsky's gonna be here for another year At left guard they got a Zulu back there You know so To me it'd be center So, But here Do you agree or disagree with that?
0: part of me wants to get crazy and say glowinski just because he's been disappointing but that's not the smart thing to do center would be the smart thing to do but i don't think they'll do it like that's what i would do i don't i think that they would keep him on the bench
1: me too he, but here so here's the, if if he's anywhere near what he was in 2020 he should be the starter at center like get him up to speed on the calls and stuff start him at center <sighs> I hate saying this because Nick Gates is our guy. Are you worried? Like, do you have like a? I don't know what he's going to be like after missing over a year of football.
0: How many days? I don't know if he's going
1: to be good when he comes back.
0: Does he have 14 days left until they have to make a decision? Yes. I I don't think I think he's I don't think he's going to see the field. I
1: I I lean not too, but he's out there practicing and moving and. I don't know. I'm rooting for that guy like crazy, man. Oh, yeah, like I definitely. I really am. Yes. It's just, The thing is, is it's just a huge question mark. And it just, it's really, to, to revisit a little bit, it really does suck. You get a, you find an undrafted free agent hit. 2019, the guy plays and he played your best tackle all year. Better than Nate Solder, better than Mike Rimmers. But you didn't play him over him. You put him at guard. He played really good at guard. And then we bang on the table like we got to find a spot for this guy to start. The only one's not good enough to have this guy on the bench. He comes in at center and was a was a good center, a good NFL center. And then that freaking leg crap happens, dude. Like I I don't know. So it's a big question mark, but it's I am certainly I'm getting excited and nervous about like what's happening with Nick Gates? What's
0: happening with Nick Gates? There's and there's more to center than just showing up and snapping the ball and blocking. You know, there's the whole yeah. pass there's the whole pass protection thing, the chemistry with the rest of the offense line, and John Feliciano has a whole summer with this O line, plus his knowledge of the Dable system and Bobby Johnson system to begin with anyway. So that Nick Gates has that going against him as well. Not just his own health.
1: Yeah, and they brought Feliciano over to be the center and yep. there's a relationship there with Bobby Johnson, so I, I don't I don't I don't see him. I don't see him just coming like if he if he is activated I don't see them being like alright you're the starter at this position no I think the only way he has a better chance of guard
0: he has a better chance of guard than center in my opinion because they like Feliciano
1: yeah but I don't see that happening I think it has to be injury and then next year is the play to see what the guy is yeah
0: I just hope he stays on the team
1: yes please bring him back on whatever deal next year please all right last question
0: RJ, at in chain we trust. The, tr- the the yes is a five. I can't really think of anything to ask. So how how y'all doing? How are you all doing, doing,
1: Justin? We haven't gotten a lot of these heavy questions in mailbag season this year.
0: No, no. I'm doing good, man. Um, you know, really really trying to push the JM football stuff and the John Boy Media football stuff. So. Um, I watched Seattle's defense be mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly bad today. I watched Taysom Hill every time he touched the ball, got a first down, and did something extremely productive, including throwing the ball. I watched Tyreek Woolen. <laughs> I watched Tyreek Woolen who I loved. Remember how I loved Tyreek Woolen and you were like, "I don't know, he's a little raw." Has 3 interceptions in his last 3 games. One of them goes for a pick-six. 10 completions on 20 targets and that Seahawks defense is garbage. Tyreek Woolen is like up there right now with like defensive rookie of the year odds. Like he's up there. I think he might he should get it if the season ended today, he get it over Sauce Gardner. Um so that was that was my day today. Nick Chubb had an amazing run. Um what other what other games did I watch and film? That's all that I can remember right now. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. It's uh, this stuff is a lot more fun when the Giants are winning.
0: Yes. No, for sure.
1: At the end of last year, it's like I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, we we basically became just like a rant show. Like we we almost became sports radio. Like I I hated it, man.
0: I hate I hated it because there was no way, there was no way to separate the O
1: line reports. Were just like I'm just going to do Andrew Thomas.
0: You know, uh, we're, we're big believers, especially, you know, myself and Bobby. This is why I think we, we get along. We do good stuff. We're big believers in how do we separate ourselves. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to produce? What are we going to create that kind of separates ourselves from the pack? And when the Giants are as bad as they were, especially towards the latter part of last year, like, the only thing that worked is just complaining about Mara, Gettleman, and Judge. That's the only—and Jones and Jones And which and anybody
1: can do, too. Which
0: anybody can do, Um. So that was the frustrating part about last year, just from a content perspective. Obviously the Giants sucking was bad, but this is just so much fun, man. I'm glad the Giants are back and it makes everything that we do more fun and more worth it.
1: Yeah. It's been good. I'm I'm excited to go to this Jaguars game.
0: Yeah. I'm excited for you. I'm excited that I'm going to be like the only one making videos on social media that day too. Maybe I
1: was thinking about, getting someone at John Boy Media to run my account to do the nope. videos on that nope. day
0: <laughs> just just tweet out Justin Pennick will be making videos so go give him a follow how about that I will I give will. your co-host a
1: little bump I will I will I was just kidding but I, but I was actually thinking about that actual scenario it was like if we make the playoffs we're going to be live streaming for the playoff game
0: yeah are you going to come up here
1: yeah yeah if we make the playoffs I'm, I'm definitely coming up there for that if there's a
0: home playoff game, which this won't have, if there's a home playoff game, will we go? No, we have to live stream it. That's gonna be tough for me. Yeah. Do I sell my tickets?
1: I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But it's starting to hit me, like, like we've we've had our moments of like talking Giants history, and it's like, really one of the biggest things we can do is talk about the Giants in the playoffs, and we haven't gotten that opportunity yet. You know, because part of me is like, what bridges do we have the? Like, I want to interview a coach next off season, um, you know, like a position coach or whoever. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I also want to start doing some like a Cover One inspired me that maybe with some of our player interviews going forward, we asked them if they could do like a five minute film breakdown with us too, that we could put separate out from the podcast. All right. Um, you know, um, like like like, like like uh. You know, Andrew Thomas could have been like, Andrew Thomas we did in person, so it'd be a little different, but just put it on StreamYard and like, hey, what's five plays you want to talk about your process in? All right, that's an episode. Uh, we just shared you all our goals for the offseason of Talking Giants. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed everything. We'll be back on Friday for a preview pod. A lot of revenge games this week, so I'm very excited about that. I'm a little annoyed that people already tweeted out the Wink Martindale revenge game stuff, but you know.
0: Well, like that's inevitable.
1: Yeah, but part of me is like, Revenge Games are ours, us now. We own Revenge Games. Justin Ellis. Um Jihad Ward. Can we Jihad say Ward. what happened
0: with Jihad Ward?
1: J- yeah, can we say that? So, at first, I saw someone say that Jihad Ward blocked him, so I went to go look at Jihad Ward's Twitter, and he blocked me, and then I posted it on our Patreon account, and we had like 20 people reply that they're blocked, and then you were blocked, and the Talking Giants account is blocked, and we we're blocked on Instagram, I don't. I think he must have done like some type of like mass blocking. Like I know there's like a mass like a like a nuking blocking thing, but he blocked like like people who like hadn't tweeted about him. Like I I don't think they would liked to tweet or I don't know what. And even though I like I wasn't like a like like the the most negative thing I've tweeted about Jihad Ward was like he's last and pass rush win rate in the NFL.
0: I've tweeted out that he's the leader of the edge rushers. No, but I mean I kind yeah. of I kind of respect. I mean, oh, I don't respect. give it. I
1: don't give a damn if you block us. But I was just like, this is weird.
0: I think that's fine. Like, I, I respect when a player does that because if, if, for their own mental health and for their own sanity, if they need to block out people that they know, like, will get attention. If like, if we tweet out just Jihad Ward with no context and that name, it will get likes because like, that's just the following. But he blocked
1: have. everybody like on our associated, like, yeah. So,
0: Which I, I, don't know. I, I think it's I fine. Want to,
1: I want to talk to him. I'm like, what, what happened, man? Um, We'll see. But Jahawar's been really good versus the run this year. Been, been impressed with him. He's been a great edge setter. Um, He's done a bunch of little things right. You know, there's reason of the reason why wink, wink Martindale likes him so much. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday with the preview pod. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.